politics. It's mushrooming into all these tiny little bits of identity politics now in a way that, I, that certainly surprised me. The original Marxism had its focus on the poor and the underclass. They are now, funnily enough, <laughs> almost abandoned in Marxism in favour of the sort of middle and upper class Marxism, which is the new underclass, the new poor, the new oppressed are actually relatively wealthy people who just have a problem. And some of it is really good, but some of it is awful. Hello, I'm Kate Fitzgerald from the Learning Hack team, welcoming you to a new episode of Great Minds on Learning. In this highly acclaimed series, Professor Donald Clark, internationally famous author, blogger and entrepreneur, joins John Helmer to explore two and a half thousand years of thought and theorising about learning from the Greeks to the geeks. This time we examine the impact on learning of Karl Marx, who had a revolutionary effect on the world. In the name of Marx and his collaborator Engels, politicians of the 20th century created regimes that were utopian in some cases, highly repressive and even murderous in others. Meanwhile, the heirs to Marx's intellectual tradition fleshed out Marxism as a rich and powerful explanatory system. And though controversial to this day, Marx's thought has had an enduring effect on learning and education. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Great Minds on Learning. I'm here with my co-host, Donald Clark, as usual, and the theorists whose thoughts about learning we're exploring this time are the Marxists. And this group is distinct compared to other groups we've covered in one particular respect, uh, as you point out in your notes, Donald. Uh, and that's that they all arise from one man and his theories. They maybe we should say two men if you count Engels. Other groups have maybe had a foundational intellect, who we do first in, in its program, that those who come after them build on, interpret, argue with, modify, surpass, and maybe end up demonizing I'm completely disagreeing with. But in this case, the founding intellect creates something so powerful that it becomes an ism, Marxism, that becomes almost a new category of thought. Marxism is a rich explanatory system, though it's been described in that way, that has a lot in common with the religion, perhaps like Christianity or Islam, in its ability to overturn everything in the life of a person or of a nation, though Marx is at pains to represent his ideas as scientific. Marxism portrays itself from the beginning as a complete schism with everything that came before, and a, a paradigm shift, if you like. And the set of ideas that it embodies is, in its influence, incendiary, transformative, and in many ways cataclysmic, and still with us. In his own time, Marx was an unknown refugee scholar living off the charity of his friends, but within 70 years of his death, a third of the human race was living under regimes that called themselves Marxist. And his influence is still with us now, though capitalism has proved far more resilient than he has envisaged. Um, and Marxism has been pretty resilient as well, as we'll see. Donald, we might expect a system so all-encompassing to have something to say about learning. Um, so how would you summarise what Marxism in its original formulation had to say on the subject of learning? And how is that modulated and refined by this group uh, of people who came after? Yeah, well, I suppose Marxism in its purest sense, original sense by Marx, arguably Engels as well, but primarily Marx, is really a hardcore political and economic theory, not an educational theory in any sense. And Marx didn't write much on education, although it pops up in the Communist Manifesto, and he sets the agenda for it uh, by defining education in terms of its social context. 
So in his social context, we know what the Marxist thing is. But the interesting thing about this group is you rightly said, John, this is not a, this is not a sort of meandering set of tributaries. It's one river of thought, as it were, the Marxism, which goes right through to the other isms, I suppose, structuralism, postmodernism, and so on and so forth, the things we're familiar with now. But that's a direct, these are direct descendants from Marx. In between then and now, we have so Marx is a sort of dominant. Late 19th century figure, you know, dies in before the 20th century, 1883 or something. 1883, I think. Uh, but we have other other figures like Gramsci who come along after Marx is dead uh, and redefine Marxism or redefine education in terms of Marx's theory with his own spin. We'll come to that, uh, but hugely influential in his prison diaries. He was he was put jail by Mussolini, and then Althusser is a bit later. You know, he's uh, after post. Uh, Second World War, really, along with people like Haber Habermas, who are high-end sort of academic thinkers, uh, publish a lot, massively influential, influential in the student movements and politics of the day. Uh, then an interesting one, I think, is Freire, because Freire alone in this group was somebody who actually lived what he thought and actually gave up a position in Harvard to go and teach uh, literacy in the jungles of South America and Africa. So one may give him a hat tip for that alone, but this is an interesting trajectory and everybody is touched by this. We might think that Marxism is a bit remote from us, but it's alive and kicking and chameleon-like has bounced back into action in the recent uh, movements we've seen in our culture uh, amongst young people in our universities and schools.